Now tell me who that, who that, that do that, do that Put that paper over all, I thought you knew that, knew that I be the I, G-G-Y, put my name in ball I've been working, I'm up in here with some change to throw Hello and welcome to the Intentional Grounding Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your co-host, Noah Downs, and I am sorry to say that I am not joined by my co-host, Luke Bisson, this week. You see, what happened was we created the best podcast in the world. It was gelling. You know, we were sharing quips back and forth. We got in some great analysis. It was incredible. It was just wild and fun and Honestly, it probably was the best podcast ever recorded in the history of podcasts. We would have won an award for that one. But then, uh, as we went to edit it, uh, it, it was corrupted. And so, the file is gone. You will never hear that wonderful podcast. And so, scrambling, in order to get a podcast out before the NFL draft, Luke and I went ahead and decided to just record two parts separately. So... Here I am recording my part of the podcast, and I'm going to insert Luke into the podcast later on, and he'll probably explain the exact same thing. So what we got coming up for you guys today, after we got past all that backstory, is we've got some news, some big news. We're going to cover the Browns and Eagles trade. We're going to cover the Josh Norman uh, signing with Washington. And we're going to look at uh, Miami looking to trade for Ezekiel Elliott, or to trade up to get Ezekiel Elliott. Because um, obviously Zeke is not in the league yet, so they can't trade for him. But um, so that's what we got coming up. Luke is going to discuss his top rookie wide receivers, and then I'm going to get into some four super deep sleepers for you guys that are in your very deep dynasty leagues or looking to foray into those uh, deep roster or uh, lots of teams dynasty leagues. So without further ado, let's hop straight into it. Uh, this past week, since our last podcast. A major trade went down. The Browns and the Eagles traded. Obviously, you have heard about this by now. Otherwise, you are under a rock somewhere. Um, the Eagles received the 2016 number two overall pick and, the, and a 2017 fourth round pick from the Browns. And they gave up the 2016 number eight, the 2016 third round pick, which is uh, number 77, 2016 fourth round pick, which is number 100 a 2017 first, and a 2018 second. So the Eagles really gave up a lot to move up six spots, and it's clear that they're going for a quarterback at this at this point. Um, and the Browns really kind of reaped the reward there. In fact, it looks almost as if, and I think this might be true, the Eagles gave up um, more to move up than the Rams did to move up to number one. So the Eagles clearly are looking to get a quarterback. Now, this doesn't mean much in terms of short term. The Eagles will probably end up getting Carson Wentz there, and this is our opinion, of course. Uh, but what it has caused is a little bit of drama in Philadelphia. Uh, Sam Bradford went ahead and just asked to be traded, which is insane. First of all, Sam Bradford is looking... Right now, he's going to be the starter for the Eagles going in... To, the, to week one. It's not like Carson Wentz is going to be ready. That's not out of the question, but it's likely that Carson Wentz is not going to be ready and Chase Daniel is not going to take over. Um, but two, Sam Bradford is the quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. And that might not sound so impressive or awe-inspiring or terrifying when you first say it, but then you got to realize Philadelphia fans... I'm sorry all you Philadelphia fans out there, but Philadelphia fans are some of the meanest fans out there. If they think that you're going against their team, they will cut you to ribbons. 
So I'm surprised Sam Bradford is even showing his face out in public in Philadelphia right now. And that might be why he's not going to these voluntary offseason workouts. It's not because he's trying to encourage the team to trade. It's because he's worried about getting tomatoes thrown at him in the street. I mean, honestly, you, you, you say that you don't want to be on the team. It's not like they're going to actually trade you, Sam Bradford. They're, they're going to hold on to you. You have no leverage. And you're going. your best chance is to play very well in a high-flying offense and look to your next contract because after this year, you're gone. And that's what happens when you're a number one overall pick and then you get injured a lot and then you're not on the same team you're drafted with. Um, you don't want to have a lot of stock in Sam Bradford right now. I think that he has a chance to prove himself. But I do think that he uh, needs to go ahead and make it known that he will be coming back to the Eagles and apologize to the Eagles fan base for asking for a trade. Otherwise, they're going to eat him alive. I bet he walks on in the preseason game and he's just the most booed player in the entire place. So, poor Sam. Moving on, Josh Norman um, signed with my Washington Redskins. And I think that this is awesome. Initially, when the reports came out that it was a five-year, $75 million deal, um, I was a little nervous because that's a lot of money. Josh Norman is 29 years old, and the Redskins have a history of overpaying for defensive players. But then uh, reports came out that it's actually only guaranteed for two years. It's fully guaranteed, somewhere around $30 million. I think it's 32 36 35 something like that. Um, and so the Redskins then have the option to extend it for a three additional years once every year. Uh, and so it's, it's a great contract for both teams. Fills a dire need for the Redskins. Uh, they're going to probably be able to put uh, the up-and-coming Bashad Breeland um, in corner alongside Josh Norman and then slide Keyshawn Jarrett, Keyshawn Jarrett, my boy, also from Virginia Tech, go Hokies, uh, over to safety, and that will greatly improve that defense. But what this really gets interesting is if you're an Odell Beckham Jr. owner or a Des Bryant owner. Uh, initially, you're going to be worried about them playing – Josh Norman to guarantee twice a year, but if you go back and look at the tape from Josh Norman and Odell Beckham Jr.'s um, clash, I guess that's how you could put it, last year, you really look at that, Josh Norman didn't shut down Odell Beckham Jr. What he did was he got into Odell Beckham Jr.'s head. Uh, there are four passes completed, it's just that Josh Norman caused Odell Beckham to fight with him and get some penalties, and then um, it really just got under OBJ's skin. So I don't think it's going to really hurt your... Um, it'll probably be something to keep an eye on and see if Josh Norman can go ahead and take another step forward, even though he's entering uh, his 29, age 29 or age 30 year season. Uh, finally, on our news and notes, man, we really fly when Luke's not here. Luke, you're fired. I'm kidding. Um, going into... The next bit of news that we got, uh, Miami is apparently looking to trade up for Zeke. They've got a giant hole uh, that has been left by the absence of Lamar Miller, and uh, they probably definitely need a running back. Now, th what this means is if you have Jay Ajayi, you need to sell him. This is your last chance. Uh, you've had the entire offseason to sell Jay Ajayi. When they brought C.J. Anderson in for workouts, you could have sold him. Uh, you could have sold him when you, know, you might not even have bought him with his knee issues. Uh, he's a short-term running back anyways, but if you have Jay Ajayi, you need to sell. Sell, 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 and just keep on selling. That also goes for Jeremy Langford, if you haven't, by the way. Like, the Bears have no, they don't care about Jeremy Langford. But, um, yeah, I think it could be that we see some draft day trades leading up to the draft. The draft is Thursday, 
So make sure you uh, DVR it, watch it, however you will. It'll be on NFL Network and ESPN. Um, I hopefully will be a company man one day. Uh, so that's our news and notes. Just to recap, we had the Browns and Eagles trade. We had Sam Bradford requesting a trade after the Eagles traded up to likely take Carson Wentz. Josh Norman signing with the Redskins, but that didn't really mean much for your Bryant and OBJ. And Miami is going to probably go try and snag Zeke. So that's what we got. I'm going to toss it over. We have a sponsor read today. Uh, and then after that, after our sponsor read, we'll go ahead and toss it over to Luke. Do you find yourself walking the streets of Philadelphia and having slimy Philly cheesesteaks chucked at you? To Philadelphia Eagles fans everywhere yell and call you names like traitor, wuss, and even occasionally you may be suffering from a case of looking like Sam Bradford. But we're here to help. Get your I am not Sam Bradford t-shirt today. Perfect for all those occasions when you happen to resemble the quarterback who just asked to be traded from the city that has the angriest and most inherently spiteful fan base in the United States. It was Sam Bradford's decision to off Philadelphia fans, not yours. You can avoid being mistaken for him by buying your I am not Sam Bradford t-shirts today. Perfect for Sam Bradford lookalikes, impersonators, and people who are actually Sam Bradford. Get yours today. Hey guys, this is Luke with Intentional Grounding, and uh, we're uh, we're doing this a little bit different this week. We had some uh, issues with the uh, feed on Saturday, so we're going to be doing our parts solo and uh, hopefully combining them so that we can get it out to you before the uh, draft on uh, Thursday. So uh, what we wanted to do this week, well, part of it anyway, was to uh, go over the uh, wide receivers coming out uh, in this draft. And uh, I went through and I made a sheet like I did with the running backs that we went over about uh, 10 days ago. And uh, I want to start with the uh, top guy on my list. He's uh, six foot two. 221 pounds, went to Ole Miss. It is Laquan Treadwell. And the reason why he's still my number one guy is because I feel regardless of where he ends up, he is going to have a higher seal or higher floor than uh, the rest of the guys. Uh, Coleman could have a high floor as well, but that's very landing spot dependent. So what I'm looking at with... Uh, Treadwell, though, is uh, his numbers weren't the greatest. We'll get that out of the way. His film, though, it reads he's tough. He is, uh, you know, he's got a high floor. He's tough. He's got a tenacity to him. I comp him to Brandon Marshall with the way that he acts. And he can do man, timing, zone, uh, slot, vertical. And uh, I feel that he can also be a red zone threat. So he's sort of the total package. I think that he would best be served in the same role as like what uh, uh, Alshon Jeffrey or uh, DeAndre Hopkins got, where they were able to come in behind a number one for a couple of years before they transcended themselves to that number one role. Uh, news broke today that he is a target for the Browns if they can trade into the teens. That has me a little nervous. Um, but I'm going to stick to my board, and even if he goes to the Browns, I would take him 
with the 102. Uh, next guy on my list is Josh Doxson. Uh, for as tenacious and as strong as Treadwell's game is, Doxson has this amazing finesse to his game. And uh, he's six foot two, uh, 202. And uh, his, uh, his uh, scores were a little bit better. Uh, comparatively, uh, Treadwell had a 7.053 cone. Doxson had a, uh, a 6.84, and uh, Doxson also beat him by 0. 0.13 sec- or 0.13 seconds in the uh, 40. Uh, also had a better broad and vert. Uh, I see him also as being able to do all the things, be in man timing zone. He can play the slot. He can be vertical, and I think that you're going to see him end up being the vertical threat on the outside. Um, but he can also be a red zone threat if needed. And I comp him with Marvin Jones. I mean, it's not much of a, a comp compared to like a, a Brandon Marshall, but that's where he plays at. And uh, I feel that he's a you know Marvin Jones plus. So let's see if he can do it. Then you have Corey Coleman, who I already mentioned a little bit earlier. Uh, I think that if he lands well, he could be the best wide receiver of this bunch. Uh, looking at what he can do, uh, his athletic, you know, he's got a 4.3540, which is smoking fast compared to these other guys. Um, his uh, vert and his broad are about on par, just slightly under with Dachshund. And I see him being a guy that can go on the outside or the inside. It's just going to really depend where he lands, though, to see how he's used. If he goes to the wrong system, he's going to be a slot guy, and he's going to be stuck there. And slot guys aren't bad if you're in a PPR league and you're looking for those points. But for him to reach his full potential and to become more than just the third wheel in this draft, he's going to have to take the next step, and that means being able to be put on the outside. Number four for me is Leonte Carew. And depending on where he lands, he could actually jump for me. And the reason why is he he's one of those guys that has the ability to do anything. He doesn't have a true flaw to his game, and he can make these circus acrobatic catches that look amazing. I put him as like a Reggie Wayne to Roddy White type, and I feel that if he lands correctly, I mean, to me, I'm less concerned about him going to the Browns than I am Treadwell. And that's because I feel that he is a more universal fit because he can play that number one. And getting Carew in the second or third round means that a team like the Browns was able to pick up other pieces beforehand. Whereas Treadwell, Treadwell is going to go in the top 20. So if the Browns trade down and take him there, they're taking a hit. Now, I think that Carew will need to make sure that, one, that he's he has the right mentality coming in. He's had off-the-field issues. And I think also that he's got to come in, if he goes to a place like a Cleveland, understanding that he can't fall into the same pitfalls as other wide receivers. You know, this play, Gordon is still fighting his demons. And now with the latest news on Manziel, I don't think Manziel's ever playing in the league again. So the last thing that I would want to see is a player like Carew, who already has red flags for off-the-field issues, coming in, 
and becoming just the next person in the line in Cleveland that just it, it, it as as a fan of the team that's my greatest fear uh, number five for me is uh, Sterling Shepard uh, Shepard's uh, 5'10 so he's on the shorter side uh, comparatively to like Treadwell or Doxon who are six foot two uh, but with him you have he's a really good route runner he's got great hands he can do almost anything as well, uh, but he needs to hit a good landing spot because just like Coleman, he could become a slack guy and be stuck there. I really think to myself that he is like a Derek Mason type. I know it's kind of old as far as like a, a comp, but I think it fits perfectly. Next guy on my list is Michael Thomas from Ohio State. Uh, there is another Michael Thomas out there. I call him Mike Thomas. Uh, a lot of the people out there have been doing that, so I just figured I'd get that out of the way now. Uh, Michael Thomas is six foot three, two twelve, and he went to Ohio State, like I said. Uh, athleticism is pretty good, you know. I mean, he has a thirty-five inch vert, uh, one hundred and twenty-six inch uh, broad. Uh, he has a six point eight three cone. His short shuttle was uh, four thirteen, and his. Uh, 40 time was 4.57. Uh, he can basically do everything you want. He may even throw a little bit of return in there. But honestly, I don't see that happening. I see him more so being, he is graceful, and he's very intricate in what he does. But he needs to be utilized properly, which he wasn't at Ohio State. So he's a big question mark coming out. I see talent and I see ability. I just don't know how that's going to translate to the NFL. It may take some time. I see him being roughly like, uh, if I was going to comp him, I'd put him at like a, a Michael Crabtree. Uh, next guy on my list is uh, Malcolm Mitchell. Uh, I heard about him earlier this year. I went back and I watched some tape on him at Georgia. I liked him a lot. I think that he has the potential to go places. But when you get to this part of the list, for me, people start to... They need to be projected more. You know, you hit like your your Sterling mm -hmm. Shepherds and your Michael Thomas, and you're starting to get into where you need to project and everything. But then you get to this point, and you need to. You know, you've got Malcolm Mitchell, Sharon uh, Peak, uh, even Tyler Boyd. You need to project because what he did in college, it, it's a question mark if it's going to translate to the NFL. Now, with him going to Georgia. Uh, you know, he has a, a decent athletic score, a 4.4640. Uh, he had a 36-inch vert, 129 broad, and he can do everything, including return man. And I think that that may be his bread and butter in this thing will be return man. Um, as far as himself, he's a good route runner with good hands, and he can be physical. Uh, he has the tools to be good, uh, but I don't know if he'll have the consistency to be a number one in a team. I uh, comp him with uh, Jeremy Macklin, and I think that's a good comp because that's his ceiling. You know, he may get to that point, but he also may not. Then you have uh, Sharon Peak, like I said, and this is a Clemson product, and Clemson has been having a lot of guys coming out lately the past few years. Uh, Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Martavius Bryant. All these guys have proven to be good, and he matches up to be another one of those types at six foot two and two oh nine. Uh, his athleticism is not the greatest. He's got a four point four six, 
both 40 and short shuttle. He's got a just under seven second three cone. His vert is a 35.5 and his broad is a 122. I think he's going to best fit into your vertical threat, a lot like you uh, saw uh, um, Chris Conley come out last year. That will be my guess. However, with him, my comp for him is a Stevie Johnson type due to his size. Uh, after him, we have Tyler Boyd. And I'm a lot lower on Tyler Boyd than a lot of people. Uh, the reason being, like I said, I don't know if his uh, traits are going to transfer to the NFL. You're going to have a ceiling of a Tavon Austin or a um, like a Percy Harvin-esque type. The question, though, is if he goes to a team that makes him his number one, and they need to use him like that. What is he going to have on a weekly basis? What's his going? What's his ceiling? What's his floor each week? And how consistent is he going to be able to get you the points you need to win in a week-to-week basis? Now, if you are in a league in which you get points for yardage and touchdowns in a return game, he actually would jump up the board for me. I have a league where it's a standard league, no PPR, but... There are those return points. And so for me in that league, he is actually up to number six. Otherwise, he stays down for me at number nine. Um, My comp for him is an Antonio Bryant type. I think that that's one of the better ways to look at him. Uh, Another one would be Stedman Bailey. Uh, But neither, you know, I feel like Antonio Bryant was a little more successful. Stedman Bailey started to show flashes, and then he kind of... uh, went down in the uh, in in St. Louis and then finally over, you know, over the past few months everything he's recovering from a gunshot to the head. Uh moving on, we're looking at uh Mike Thomas from Southern Miss who is a uh, 6 foot 1, 200 pounds. He is uh not that much of an athlete. He has a 7.06 three cone. Oh, excuse me. <clears throat> and a 4.54 40 time. Uh, the thing that I like about him is uh, even though he was a combine snub, he is a great route runner. He's got some good hands on him, and he can be developed into one of the one of, one of the good wideouts. His overall game compares well with the other Michael Thomas. Um, however, with him not being a uh, a combine uh, person, you know, an invitee uh, that shows that there was not a lot of interest in him. Now, for whatever reason, that could have been the fact that there was two Mike Thomases, anything like that. Regardless, there was a lack of interest, and because of that, he didn't go. And so that may show that even though he has the potential to be something, he's not going to have the draft pedigree of a second or third rounder to make him stick to a team long enough to get to that point. So it's going to take some work, and hopefully he snaps out of it. Um, the next guy on my list is Will Fuller. I like Will Fuller a lot. Uh, the reason why he's so far down on my list is because of his hands. Now, I have no issue with his size. He and he is also more than just a nine, you know, a nine go person. Uh, he runs four routes really well. And for me personally, from what I've read and heard, I have watched him catch the ball, and he catches the ball odd. 
because of that, uh, I feel that it's something that he can be trained on later. It's not the fact that he has the smaller fingers. It's because he has, you know, he's been taught incorrectly how to catch the ball, and because of that, he, uh, he has more drops than what he should. So with that in mind, if he can get into the league and get to a place where they have a good wide receiver coach, he can relearn how to do it properly. And I honestly think that if that happens, he could do well. He could top three, top four of this class. And there's a reason why people are talking about him in the first round. And I think that if he lands properly in the first round, even if he goes to a later team in the first round, He's going to go to a place where he's not going to be forced to step in as the first, and he's not going to go to a place where he has to sit there and and and, and be thrown to the wolves. So if that happens, he's going to go up. Uh, next guys in quick succession are Richard Higgins, who I like as a route runner. Also has good hands, but he has uh, um, he has to work on his speed and quickness. Uh, Farrell Cooper, I like him as a receiver. He needs to work on his overall game, though. He, for me, is a poor man's Leonte Carew. Uh, Tajay Sharp is a great route runner and also great hands. I like him a lot, and I feel that he could also climb on my board, but his landing spot is so detrimental to what he's going to do. Uh, looking at him real quick... Uh, one of the reasons why he's down my list so far is he is a man timing zone and vertical type player. He can't be in the slot. You know, he's uh six foot two, only hundred and ninety-four pounds. He and he ran a four point five six. He is going to have to land in a place that needs an like a second outside person. And looking at my thing here, I feel that he is a almost a Terrence Williams clone. So that's not saying much based on what we've seen out of Terrence Williams, but Terrence Williams has come in at times and been able to put up points. And I think that he could do the same, you know, and coming in right now, he's a blank slate. So let's see who gets a hold of him. Let's see how they mold him, and we'll go from there. Uh, my last guy out of the list here is Daniel Braverman. I have him on this list because he is going to be, for me, the slot man. You know, if you ever needed to get a slot guy, he is your and he's also a return man out of Western Michigan. He's only five foot ten and one hundred and seventy seven pounds, but he can put on a little bit of weight. He runs a four point five three right now. Uh, he has a six point eight eight three cone, and I think that he could do things if he's asked to. You know, he could get out there. He can be a return guy. He can sit there in the slot and just pick defenses apart because he has this. This no fear going on, and then that could be detrimental to him later, but I think that he can shine if given the opportunity. Uh, as far as my sleeper list, I have four total. Uh, there's uh, Jordan Payton, who I feel uh, he, he's a speedy guy and he can catch. Uh, he is better than what the folk perception is out on him, um, but he will need to show it quickly to be relevant in the NFL. Right now, he is not uh, uh, not that relevant, he, and I don't expect him to go high. And if he doesn't show it quickly, his lack of, dra of draft pedigree is going to send him to, free, to basically being on waivers. Uh, Jamal Robinson from Louisiana, Louisiana Lafayette, excuse me. Uh, he's a, a 4.5 uh, 
he's a he's a four five forty guy. Uh, he's uh, just under seven for the three cone, and he's a return man. And I think he's gonna come into the league. He's gonna make his name in return, and then he's gonna be able to go out play in the slot somewhere. Uh, and you have Marquez North, which has been a buzz name for a while now. I like him a lot as well. He uh, he's good in zone. He's a good he's a he's a good red zone guy. Another return man, and I think that just like Robinson, he's going to make his name in special teams and move up from there. And then the last guy on my list is uh, Mitch Matthews, and uh, he's from uh, Brigham Young, BYU. He's a good guy. He's got almost just almost out of the four point four. He's he's a four four nine guy, almost a seven second cone. You know he he's just good enough. But he's on this list because he's a hard worker, and I think that he can take it to the next level if he's given the opportunity. He's a big receiver at the catch point. He needs refinement in his routes, and he should be able to expand if he can make those. So he reminds me a lot of uh, Plexico Burris. Well, that is the uh, list of what we have, and uh, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, I'll talk to you guys after the draft. We have... uh, Hopefully a show coming out on Sunday night into Monday that goes over everything that uh, we saw this weekend. And uh, get your popcorn ready. Thanks a lot. All right. Welcome back. Thank you very much, Luke, for that amazing analysis. I'm sure that, you know, the audience is just wowed. Uh, you really go in depth. Actually, Luke, you're really good at what you do. Continue to be our stats guy. Continue to be our metrics guy. And I'll be the gut guy. Um, so, moving on now. I've got some super deep sleepers for you guys. Uh, just to hop into them. I've got four. I've got one running back, one wide receiver, one tight end, and one hybrid position. These are the kind of guys who you're looking to grab if you're in a super deep league. Super deep. Um, well, maybe not like super deep, but like a 30, 35-man roster. I'm in a couple of 40-man roster leagues. Uh, if you're in a 32-team league like Luke and I are in, you want to start looking at these guys in the later rounds. Some to grab a flyer, maybe stick them um, on the back of your bench if you've got the roster spot to fill. Alternatively, if you're in a shallower league, keep an eye on these guys. Uh, make a little spreadsheet is what I recommend. That's what I do if I'm in a shallow league and I've got guys I want to keep an eye on prospects. I make a spreadsheet with that league, and if they start to flash, I keep track of it, and I add them, try and get to the waiver wire about a week before everyone else. So without further ado, let's go ahead and start talking about it. My first guy is definitely a homer pick. Um, I watched this guy play. He's out of Virginia Tech. Uh, He's a punt returner and a running back, and he's a great pass catcher out of the backfield. His name is J.C. Coleman. If you've ever heard of him, good for you. Go ahead and write us an email and tell us about it. I'll give you a pat on the back or whatever digitally. Um, J.C. Coleman is not only a football player, but he's also a track star. Um, So using his track as a baseline, I was able to calculate what his 40 would be, and I verified this using a bevy of sources. But um, he basically ran a 4.340 as a track runner. Um, And that's fast, guys. I, I, I don't usually put a lot of stock in 40 time. Uh, but a 4.340 is fast. He's got some of that breakaway speed. And he uh, ran, overall, he ran a 6.89 60-yard dash. Uh, so he really can burn some people and put some, uh, put some distance between him and the competition. 
He's got great hands. If you look at J.C. Coleman's tape, uh, he can catch short passes, screen passes. He got he has a little bit of trouble on the deep balls, tracking the ball, but uh, he he would primarily be used out of the backfield. I think he can line up at all five positions um, on that line though, and so he's good at catching, running, and returning. And especially what he's really good at is catching on the run and getting some yards after the catch. Um, he's been worked out and checked out and talked to by the Chargers, the Jets, the Colts, and the Jag Jags. Of those, I I would love to see him go to uh, the Colts or the Jets. I know we have issues with with the Jets with Bilal Powell and Matt Forte, but I think given a couple of years, J.C. Coleman could easily um, rise in that depth chart. With the Colts, I would love to see him there because Andrew Luck loves to pass, and Frank Gore's getting up there in age, um, so he might get a chance to really go in the field as a runner. Um, one thing I really want to say is that this guy is quick. If he gets a good landing spot, and I think he is probably going to end up as a round six or seven pick in the NFL draft or maybe a priority free agent, he is going. they're going to have a, something in mind for him. So keep an eye on where he lands. I'll probably update you all after the, pod, after the NFL draft on the podcast, follow up with these guys. Um, but keep an eye on J.C. Coleman. Go ahead and mark him down. Moving on to our wide receiver, this is uh, a guy that I kind of just saw a little bit of tape on him. He is also a punt returner, but he's a wide receiver as well. So we've had punt returner running back in J.C. Coleman. And our punt returner wide receiver is out of Oregon, is Braylon Addison. You might have heard of him. He got a little bit of buzz because he was a really dominant receiver uh, in Oregon. But uh, Braylon Addison runs. What really sticks out with me, uh, he had kind of an eh 40. He ran a 4.66. But like I said before, I don't put a lot of stock in the 40-yard dash. What I like to look at is a player's explosiveness through their vertical, their broad jump, um, how fast they get off their runs, their 20 yards. Uh, but what I really love is their three cone. If a guy's got a good three cone, I'm going to fall in love with him. So that's that's where I kind of pay a lot of attention. And anything that is sub seven seconds on a three cone is good. And Braylon Addison comes in at a 6.95. So what I really like about Braylon Addison, he knows the game. He's a converted quarterback. He was an all-state quarterback in Texas um, when he was in high school. And when he went to college, he took over a role as a receiver. And he adapted really well. As a true freshman, he started to flash. Um, what I really enjoy about watching Braylon Addison's game is that he's really exciting after the catch. He averaged 6.1 yards after catch in 2015. 6.1 yards after catch. Not before catch, after catch. Um, he's got some really good run value on pitch plays and jet sweeps. I could see him really fitting in there. Uh, he's got a low center of gravity, which is helping with his hips. So he's, he's got really smooth hips, and that really helps him do subtle change of directions. Um, and he can do that really quickly and simply. So that's how he's getting all his yards after the catch is because he's able to elude people. And you can see that also combined with this three-cone, um, it really will help him get some yards against potential tacklers. Uh, he's also really good at creating a separation window for quarterbacks. Um, what he does is uh, he's able to get away from his defenders right on the time that the quarterback really wants to get to him. So he's got really sure hands as well. Um, and so I think what he'll do is, because of his shiftiness and uh, his ability to catch, he'll be an instant value for NFL teams as a punt returner. But then I think he could probably slide up into a good uh, kind of a gadget player. 
um, but uh, an outside receiver for jets and what and sweeps and uh, whatnot, bubble screens. I think uh, some of the things I don't really like about Braylon Addison is that he wasn't really asked to run complex routes. Looking at his tape, um, he's much more of a catch it and run guy, and then he relies on his after the catch ability to get his um, uh, yardage. He, but I do think he can instantly step in as a punt and kick return game changer, and that'll get him to stick on a team. Braylon Addison, I'm looking at him as like around six or seven pick, maybe even as early as the fifth round. Um, the issue with uh, Oregon receivers is that they don't really fit into a scheme very well. A lot of them come out, and they are good at a lot of things, but they're not excellent at one thing. So he's gonna have he's gonna fit somewhere, but they've got to find the perfect role for him. Uh, an issue that I do have with Braylon Addison, he tore his ACL in 2014, so he wasn't as confident after that, but he came back in 2015 and uh, made the second team all Pac-12, and so I think he'll be even more confident about that knee when he comes into the NFL, so it, it may be that he is underdrafted based on his 2015, which he was coming back from an ACL injury, and then he will probably outperform his draft stock, and that's the kind of guy I like to find. Moving on. Uh, let's go to a tight end, and this tight end, I was I was looking up this guy, and I said, well, I wonder where he's going in drafts. I wonder if he'll really qualify as a as a sleeper. So I looked at ADP, and this guy isn't even on the top fifty of ADP, which is kind of sad. I, as Luke likes to put it, I found a ghost. Um, his name is David Morgan. He is a tight end at a UTSA. If you have never heard of UTSA. It's University of Texas, San Antonio. It is because they have only had a football program for about five years. So there's that. But what I really like about um, David Morgan is that despite the fact that his football program is so new, he still was able to really excel. Um, He has natural instincts as a blocker, which is crucial for a tight end. It means he'll get on the field a lot. Um... However, he is very slow and could probably get run down if uh, he, uh, he, he's not going to have that breakaway speed. He's going to get run down in the field. Um, he ran a 503.40 at the combine and a 483.40 at his pro day. Um, and that 503 really kind of, like I said, don't look at 40s that much. But when you have one that's that slow, you kind of got to take notice. Um, so looking what he's got, he's got his really sh- fast short bursts. He's got a 419 20-yard shuttle, which is good for the position. And he also has a 693 three cone, which I really enjoy. Uh, it means he's got a little bit of wiggle. So David Morgan was very comfortable as the go-to target at UTSA. Uh, he was very confident in the role as a go-to target, and he has great very sure hands. Also, his hands are massive. He has ten and a half inch hands. He kind of inhales passes. Um, he plays bigger than his size, and he has great instincts as a blocker. Uh, it really kind of comes naturally to him. He works his feet through the contact, and he centers his target, so he's able to keep his blocks going long enough to make the plays. And that is something that he's going to be able to contribute to immediately on an NFL team. Um, he has to have these sure hands and he has to be able to block out defenders because of his size because he really gives away his route early on. He's not very crafty in terms of running his routes. But he's versatile, consistent, and he's really good at blocking guys. 
so he can um, he can handle fullback responsibilities. I think he's going to find a good role on a on an NFL offense. Uh, I think he's going to be a round four or five pick in the NFL draft, and I think that he's a great stash because his his sure hands and his ability to really um, make some crucial plays, especially on dumps. Uh, will will serve him very well, and I think he's also a good red zone target in short red zone situations. He's going to be on the field a lot as a blocker, and his sure hands will give him the potential to become a move tight end who can also handle fullback responsibility. So that is David Morgan out of UT uh, San Antonio. Moving on to my last guy, I gotta say, folks, I I will write a love letter to this man. He is really good at football. Uh, he's a running back wide receiver hybrid. He recently committed to wide receiver, but he's been listed as a running back in a lot of draft spaces that I've seen him. Um, he's out of Arizona State. He is none other than DJ Foster. Uh, DJ Foster, in my opinion, and Luke will disagree, and most of you might say, Noah, you're crazy. DJ Foster, in my opinion, is the most versatile player in this entire NFL draft. He, uh, he is pretty quick. He ran a 4.47.40. But his three cone, which you know I love, is a 6.75. He ran a 6.75 three cone. He had a 4.07 20 yard and 11.12 60 yard shuttle. This guy has breakaway speed. He got he has incredible wiggle, and he can put some separation um, as a running back. He has some incredible lateral agility. Looking at his at his uh, tape, he's got some good foot quickness and smooth hips. He's really good at eluding uh, tacklers as a ball carrier, and he hits the hole with full speed. He hits, goes in at maximum speed, which is crucial. Um, as a wide receiver, uh, he is really good at slamming on the brakes and opening to the throw. So his stop-start ability is out of this world, which will throw off defenders and allow quarterbacks to get uh, the ball to him quickly. Uh, tape, uh, his tape shows that he can uh, adjust really well to poor throws, throws that are behind him, above him, low, whatnot. So not only can he slam on the brakes, but he can also adjust very quickly. Uh, that combined with his ability to get separation through his three-cone and his burst, I just love him as a wideout, too. Um, he's only been a wideout full-time for one year, by the way, so he's still learning the position, which is just incredible. Um, I see DJ Foster as a rounds five through seven kind of guy. I think he'll get his name called on that third day. Um, the team that drafts DJ Foster will need to have a specific plan for him. Well, they won't need to, but they will have a specific plan for him. He's kind of like a Percy Harvin type. Um, his primary value is going to come as a pass catcher out of the backfield because teams won't know whether to cover him um, as a receiver or as a running back. Uh, and I think he could also contribute on special teams as a returner. So he's going to make a team because of his versatility. And then he's going to be able to contribute in a lot of facets. And I think he's going to rise up some depth, chart, depth charts really quickly. Um, so remember that name, folks. Of all four people I've talked about today, that's uh, David Morgan, Braylon Addison, J.C. Coleman, and D.J. Foster. If you have a spot, get DJ Foster. Unless you're in a league with me, in which case, forget you ever heard that name. Forget it. Take a second. Just forget that name. Good. So, I think that's all we have uh, time for today, folks. Thank you very much for tuning in. And uh, 
Remember to subscribe to us on iTunes, download every single uh, pod we've had, even if you just delete it an instant later. Frankly, I don't care if you listen, just download. It'll boost us to the top. Um, if you have any questions, please email us at intentionalgroundingff at gmail.com. That is intentionalgroundingff at gmail.com. Uh, and thank you so much for listening.